Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us on Turning a Moment into a Movement. I am Jen J. Love, and I represent the Justice for Gerard movement. Gerard is my son who was wrongfully convicted of a crime that he didn't do. He uh, recently passed away almost a year ago, and uh, um, a year after he was released, actually. And so because of the journey with Gerard and... Um, and those experiences and all the people that I met on that journey, um, we created this platform called Turning a Moment into a Movement. And we come here every Friday to, to discuss wrongful convictions, injustice, and um, things that are important to our community. So we can eliminate um, wrongful convic uh, convictions. I'm sorry, it's a little warm today. Anyway, um, so thank you. This is why we're here. And we ask you to subscribe to our YouTube page um, and you will be notified every time we go live. But um, thank you for joining us. Thank you for those who watch on YouTube, on Twitter, and those who uh, may watch us um, later on after this has been recorded. Thank you for joining us. And just please share the info because we want to get this information out to as many as people as necessary so we can change our reality. So um, our mission here at Turning a Moment into a Moment is to bring awareness to the wrongful conviction of Gerard and all others who are wrongly convicted, over-sentenced, mentally ill, medically frail in our community to inspire, organize, and educate all communities about the need to disrupt systems, policies, and patterns of their criminal legal system that leads to wrongful convictions. So that's our goal um, every week, every Friday that we're here. So this platform I shared with some awesome people and uh, I want to bring them on so they can introduce themselves. And then we, we're here to talk about a real important subject. So, but before we get on to that, I'm going to bring in our first panel member. Hi, Reverend Tia. Hello and good evening, everyone and all of our listeners. Jay. Yes. I just commend you for the walk. And I thank you for inviting me along the journey and allowing me to, to be a part of such a movement. I praise God for Gerard and his legacy and what he demonstrated and the truth he was demonstrating while he was here. And yeah. um, I know we're going to be talking about our love gathering. So I'm excited for us all to come together um, without any pretense and with just to come and be, know how to love ourselves, love on each other. And that's what it's going to take. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I am a part and founder of the Choice Zone, and I help people get to their purpose and thrive in their calling and feel it. It's important to feel it because there's so many other things out here to feel. But once you know what you have come not only to do, but to be, your beingness, then all the other distractions just fade away. And so I'm so glad to, to be a part of turning the moment into a movement, whatever I'm doing, whether it's G100, Oneness and Wisdom, 
Transforming Love Community Ministering or with um, Michigan Coalition of Human Rights. I invite everyone to be a part. Whatever I'm doing, it is a community effort. I have the community at heart. And I believe that it is time for us to take our families back, take our life back, and be everything that we were destined to be. Thank you so much, Jay. And this topic is so important. I can't wait. Yes. www.thechoicezone.com is where you can reach. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, yes, Reverend T, I'm glad that you're here today. So let's yes, bring on, yes. first of all, before we bring on Attorney Matt, just let's send love and, and prayers and healing to Trisha. She had a fall or something today and she popped herself on here. I'm like, get out of here. Why aren't you here? She needs to rest. Rest is important. And, you know, sometimes things happen because we need to sit down. So yeah, Shay, yeah. get you some rest. We love you and we'll see you later. And we need you, Trisha. We need you. So you got to get your rest. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So greetings, Attorney Matt. Much love, much love, much love to my sisters. How y'all doing tonight? We're great. How about yourself? Well, good, good. Conquering technology once again. Uh, got myself a Chromebook now. Got rid, of the old, got rid of the old Albatross laptop. It's still sitting up there looking at me crying, you know. <laughs> so I'm I'm on a clean, crisp broadcast. Y'all ain't laughing at me no more. He can't even get his audio together. I know y'all was laughing. I know, <laughs> but but it's it's all good, my sisters. It's all good. So you know, this truly is a day the Lord has made. I rejoice and I'm glad in it. And I'm yes. certainly honored to be uh, two beautiful black women. Oh my goodness, two beautiful black women, queens, you know, in a in a righteous struggle, you know. And so I really, I really mean that. And Jay Love, I have nothing but love, admiration, and respect for you. You know, you have done and keep on doing and keep on doing. And Reverend Tia, you know, thank you for being who and what you are. And you know, and the thing that I love about y'all and, and people in our group is that we're not stopping. Right, you know, right. we, we, we are not stopping. And for so long, our people, we start out strong protesting and writing letters and boycotting. And then before you know it, right all back to normal, you know, but change doesn't happen that way. You know, you know, change is what we're doing right now. And, and it, it's got an effect. It, it has got an effect. I do so look forward, Jay Love, to an opportunity sometime to talk about qualified immunity and what it is and is not um, in terms yes. of in terms of the state of Michigan, because it's fascinating but somewhat disappointing, you know, uh, when when you look at what's actually on the table. But but you know we we have to crawl, you know, uh, before we can walk. Okay, mm -hmm. you know, and we got to walk before we can run. And Dr. King said, you know, if you if you can't run walk if you can't walk crawl but by all means keep moving and yes. so that's mm -hmm. what that's what that's what we're doing so uh attorney hugo j mac dr hugo j mac i might add uh here with you today and uh an attorney who is not with you who parachuted from heaven j love but attorney who's with you who's come up from hell through the grace of god and jesus christ uh my personal lord master and savior who i unashamedly profess and i say that because 
my scripture teaches me there's nothing new under the sun. Uh, Goliath existed yesterday and they exist today. Wrongful imprisonment, incarceration existed yesterday and it exists today. As a person who's been a victim of a wrongful imprisonment, incarceration, I understand the issue quite well, personally and professionally. So uh, God has restored me to the practice of law. 80% of my practice is representing poor, disadvantaged people. 75% uh, of them women, 65% uh, of them women of color who have been allowed to fall through the cracks. You know, they don't make the headlines anymore, J-Love. They don't have a bunch of social services people willing to help them and very few lawyers willing to work pro bono for them. And I don't say that boastfully. I say that as a badge of honor to be able to stand up for people who cannot stand up for themselves and to help them. So, you know, God blesses me. So I'm not I'm not worried about anything. So I'm here uh, proud to be uh, a member of, of the group and, and glad to, to be here fighting for justice. And that's what I have to say. And uh, well, here we go. Mm. If you find yourself on Trouble Boulevard, push, pull, tow, drag that hoopity to Mac Street. Mac Street. Park in my virtual underground garage. And when you're there, call the Freedom Line. 734-239-3118. The Freedom Line. 734-239-3118. The Freedom Line. 734-239-3118. And if you don't want to win, don't come in. Stay out there in the cold with the rest of them other people waiting for government cheese. HMACLaw.com is your hookup. HMACLaw.com is your hookup. HMACLaw.com is your hookup. And J-Love, in order to give people time to write down that important information, I'd like to provide you, if you'd excuse me, while I and Roland Martin do the boogaloo. Okay. Reverend Tia. <laughs> Almost done, y'all, right quick. And do the Batman from Pulp Fiction. <laughs> Thank you very much. Now, Jay Love. Yes. People ask you, Jay Love, did that crazy attorney endorse that announcement? My answer: Damn straight, I did. <laughs> That's right. Damn straight, I did. So, Jay Love, I want to let you know this one thing: this yes. endorsement, this announcement, this presentation, Mister and Missus America, all the ships at sea, silence, silence. This announcement is brought to you by the one and only Dr. Hugo J. Mack Esquire, the one true king of Russia, Scotland, and Harlem. I love you. <laughs> you know what, Tony Matt? I'll be waiting for this every Friday. <laughs> oh, my goodness. This is the laugh we need before we dig in. <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> Help, helps us stay balanced. Amen. Yes. <laughs> Laughter is healing. That's right. Amen. Amen. <laughs> So, thank you, Attorney Mac. My you. pleasure. I love you. <laughs> I love you too. So, I was um, Attorney Mac and um, Reverend T. I was listening to this podcast this week, and on the podcast, um, there was a lady who was um, a, she was a resident of Canada, and she was talking about how 
her sons were incarcerated and both sons at the same time. And she was discussing how one of them had ADHD. And so when I was listening to her story about it and the things that her son was going through and different things that was happening to their family, I started to, I wanted to look it up to see how that was linking to uh, HDHD is linked to incarceration. So um, I started sending stuff to Reverend Tia. <laughs> and Reverend Tia is our resident uh, <laughs> behavior therapist. Yeah. <laughs> So I was like, Reverend Tia, maybe we should discuss this because I think this is important because everything I was looking up and finding was in the UK. Not much of this conversation was going on um, online here, except for TikTok. There is plenty of yeah. stuff on TikTok about it, but, um, you know, different doctors or people who are going through this. Mm -hmm. But um, professionally wise you see tons of video of the UK where they're actually doing the work and the research. So Revitia, yeah. take it away. Yeah, I tell you, I have, um, I was really excited because this is, this is a conversation that we're learning to have in the United States. Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, we have to remember that when it comes to incarcerations, prison, this is a money maker for a lot of people, a lot of corporations and organizations, um, lawmakers benefit economically from incarcerated individuals. And so it's about just a numbers game. It's a mm -hmm. numbers game for, for that. You know, can we get, how many people can we get in, in the prison, um, in the prison population? How many people can we, how many more people? And when you talk about autistic individuals or people with ADHD, um, we are talking about childhood developmental, childhood developmental um, illnesses or disabilities mm -hmm. that children experience. Unfortunately, everybody does not get help for those diet for that particular diagnosis. You would think by today that we would have it, we would have the capability to identify and assist parents and families of getting help for the child. What happens a lot of time, and this is what we have to know is that children who may be um, tested as far as being autistic or having ADHD does not mean that they are intellectually uh, inept. Mm -hmm. that's that's a whole different measurement um you're not testing for iq so just because just because a person is autistic does not mean that their iq is low exactly when it comes to autism we want to really think about communication that's what i that's the way i say with autism how does your child communicate so when it comes to autism, sometimes it's not as noticeable. Now, of course, early, early studies can, can um, see that a child may be autistic when they're about 18 months or 24 months. But remember, this is a spectrum, which means it is a, um, it is a long it is a long spectrum of possibilities of a person being autistic, of having autism. Mm -hmm. And 
you're on it. Everybody's on the spectrum. Right. No one is not on the spectrum for autism. Okay. So it's it's that wide. When you talk about Asperger's syndrome, that's a part of, of um, autism. So we have to know that there are, it's such a long range. How can we help? When do we help? How can we get assistance for the child? Mm -hmm. And so um, why don't we take a look at one of the clips so they can see, um, at least one of them, see okay. overall what's happening. Because even before we play it, Jay, when it comes to autism, and there's just three things I want to bring up before we start. And that's this. Okay. Autistic individuals are often misunderstood and interpreted by law enforcement, officers, judges, and other members of the criminal justice system because they exhibit behaviors that are considered unusual or disruptive. Mm -hmm. And so when the police see it, they misinterpret the behavior as noncompliance or aggressive behavior. And then that's what leads to an autistic person or a person with ADHD being arrested or, or suffering from imprisonment, um, even though they may have not committed a, a serious crime. They have judged the behavior. Mm -hmm. The second is many autistic individuals struggle with social and communication difficulties, like I'd already said, which can make it challenging for them to navigate the criminal justice system. They struggle to understand the legal jargon or express themselves effectively. That impacts their ability to defend themselves in court or to advocate for their own needs. And so when you talk about people who, who, are, who have autism or who have ADHD, they cannot advocate for themselves. And that's why they become a part of a fragile, vulnerable community, people in the community who are mm -hmm. at risk. The third thing is that autistic individuals may be at higher risk, of course, for targeted by law enforcement because of intersecting factors such as race, ethnicity, socioeconomic status, and mental health conditions. So what I'm saying is on top of a person having autism, on top of a person experiencing ADHD, then if you add on if the person is of color or black, if they are from a different culture, have a different culture, if their status, if they are economically at a disadvantage, uh, if they have any other mental health condition that goes along with that diagnosis, then they, that individual is at a higher risk of being targeted by law enforcement due to these other conditions. These are conditions that they're born with. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, prison the prison environment can be particular, particularly challenging for autistic individuals who may struggle with sensory overload, social isolation, and lack of routine. So a lot of times the people who have autism, they have a routine way of doing things and you put them in prison that routine is gone mm -hmm. isolation the noise any um sensory overload whether it's 
if if it's banging on the wall, um, shouting in the background from from officers, and all of this can exasperate their underlying conditions, and it makes them unable to function and thrive even in prison. So this is definitely a uh, uh, a situation that we need to talk about in our community and then mm -hmm. see what kind of solutions do we have. Okay, Ravitia, I do have like, this is what autism looks for like in adults. Mm-hmm. And the symptoms, AD, adult ADHD. Right. Because a lot of people think Impossible. it's just kids. But right. adults yeah. are walking around with it because they were never diagnosed as a child. Mm -hmm. Or no one mm -hmm. never addressed it. But these are some of the yeah, things that you just yeah. mentioned. Trouble multitasking. Problems mm -hmm. focusing on a task. Poor time management excessive activity or recklessness, poor planning, low frustration tolerance, frequent mood swings, problems following through and completing tasks, hot temper, trouble coping with st stress can all be symptoms of adult HDHD. Right. And especially if you haven't had any behavioral intervention then as you get older, those symptoms become more exasperated. So just yeah. imagine if you have a child who may have may uh, have been determined to be autistic, if they haven't had any intervention, and I've experienced a couple, you know, just recently, um, and these people were in their 20s. And so they did not have the intervention. So what happens is that even though they get older, with autistic children, many times parents respond to the cry or the yelling or the tantrum. Now, the reason why behavior intervention is important is because behavior intervention means that this is a practice pattern or behavior that the child has been doing because that's how they get what they want. Mm -hmm. Because they haven't been able to communicate. Mm -hmm. People need to understand that many times children who have autism cannot speak initially. They they can't verbally say anything. Mm -hmm. Their way of getting parents and adults to respond to their need has been through a yell or a tantrum or pointing and, and falling out. Unfortunately, if the parent has not been trained on how to respond to that, then they give them what they want in order for them to be quiet. So this becomes a practice. Now imagine if that same child grows up with the practice of if I yell and cry and scream and kick and bite, I get what I want. Then now they're 18 or 19. And then they do it. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then, well, then that's when police get involved. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's important to get the help early on, as early as possible, in mm -hmm. order to get a new practice, or what we say is to develop a new wave in your brain. 
develop a new groove, mm -hmm. that groove in that brain, develop a new one so that the pattern is not to scream. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a lot of times early on, like with the little ones, we, we practice taking a deep breath. What is it that you're trying to say? Use your words. Right. Use your words. You know, it's important that children use their words. Right. You know, and parents don't respond when, when my children were little and they, they were not diagnosed with autism, but when just little ones, like I said, everybody could be on a spectrum at any point, you know, but if my child was in the kitchen and wanted a cookie and they go, uh, uh, uh. well, then I just look at them. I'm not sure what you're saying. Right. Use your words. Right. And early on, it's cookie, you know, mm -hmm. cookie. And then it's, then I say cookie, please. Cookie, peas. Okay. And, and then they get it. Mm -hmm. Now, this is when we're teaching children when they're like this at two. And so sometimes a child with autism gets it around four or five or three, but that's okay. They get it. The key is to get them to use words. What we know is that when they can make a sound, then they do have the capability of forming sound. Mm -hmm. Then it comes to, okay, how can I get my child to speak? You got it up? This is so good. I can't wait to see this clip. Well, Which one? Start with all of them. Okay, I'll start we'll with save this. Save Umar for last. Let's let's oh. keep his for last. Okay, I'll start with this one here. Um, this lady talking about um autism and her nephew. So this is my cousin, you guys, and he was on ADHD medicine, ADHD medicine, for most of his childhood. Um, and the weird thing was, I will always hear my family talking about how he has such a great learning exceptionality and how he works so well with his hands. He could take apart anything electronic. He could put it back together. He could tell you how it worked. But in the educational realm, that was not viewed as a component of being a genius. It was viewed as a component of being a problematic child instead of a child that was bored or had the capacity to think differently uh, so that his needs could be met. And to this day, I still feel um, just very displeased with how I feel that the, that the educational system met my cousin's needs. And he grew up to be a great man. He's a wonderful person, thank God. But imagine if he would not have such a strong family support. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. That's true, you need the support. Um, attorney Mac, I was going to ask you how many times in court does a person, do they ever mention autism that a person is autistic or if they have ADHD or any other mental illness when they're going before, how much does that actually count mm -hmm. when they go before the judges? Boy, I tell you what, I'm so glad we're on this topic and, you know, I'm going to try to time my speech <laughs> like I'm 
like I'm in front of the jury. When the judge started giving me that slanted look, he said, okay, now you've been talking for 45 minutes now. I'm, I'm finna pull the hook. So I'm going to try to get to this, but I'm, my heart is so full on this topic. See, when I was in the public defender's office, like the first six years, I was the guardian ad litem, all right, for the county's abused and neglected children. That means kids that came in that were the victims of child abuse and neglect, I represented them. And some of these kids were like newborn. I mean, like new, 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 newborn kids, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, that had like shaken baby syndrome and, and parents can't cope with a, a crying child. And I also represented parents that were accused of, of neglect and abuse. Also re represented juveniles that had committed crimes, although they don't, they don't call them a crime as, as juveniles, but, but they are crimes. And then representing adults. Okay. And so the reason I say this, and I'm so happy we're talking about this, because I just want to talk about the segments of it to answer, answer Reverend Tia. Go ahead. In, in terms of the, the kids, let me deal with the juveniles that I represented, uh, committed like, I don't know, breaking in somebody's house or stealing something out of Kmart or something like that. It took such a long time to get the courts even to recognize that there were developmental problems behind, and I, I, I look, I hate to say it, I hate to say it, the vast, the the the, the, the unfortunate majority of these kids were black. It's it, it, it's true, it's true, and and given what we've been through in this country, that really shouldn't surprise anybody. Okay, mm -hmm. that we suffer from more ailments and illnesses and sicknesses, diseases, uh, socioeconomic problems than just about anybody else in the country. So, and, and the problem was, even at my level of ignorance, and it was because I didn't know a lot about ADHD back in the, uh, back in, back in the early 80s. I, I, I don't know if anybody really knew. You know what I'm saying? It was just that this child is a problem. This child is truant. This child is cutting up in the streets. This child is combative. And we got someplace for you. It's called a juvenile home. That's exactly what they did. That's exactly what they did. And they put them kids back there, some little mild educational thing for them. But I saw no treatment. I saw no treatment for these kids. And I feel bad now at this point in my career, now that I know so much more now than I did then, because had I seen it for what it was, hearing Reverend Tia talk, I'm sitting here speechless because I'm remembering so many cases where kids fit exactly what this woman has just said exactly what this woman, it's amazing. Like she was there, you know? And so I said, dear God, these kids needed help and we did not help them. No, we didn't. No, we didn't. No, we didn't. We did not. We processed them. We processed them. We gave them a caseworker, you know, to shepherd them. Uh, we, you know, tried to give some parenting classes to the parents, but in the, the bottom line is a lot of them aged out of the system. They became adults. You know, we, we lost track of them. Until the until the adult system picked them up. So, in in the state of Michigan, they've got what's called guilty but mentally ill. Okay, you know, and that's where they can find you guilty. They'll put you behind in prison, but they're mentally ill. What does that mean? Well, I can tell you from personal experience. What that means is you get in line two or three times a day, and they give you a cup, a, a little like a little uh, Dixie cup with water and pills. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. It's called the med line. Yes, they do. And I would see so many people, 
hundreds and hundreds of them over a 12-year period, get in the medline and just walk the track. Uh, most prisons have a walking track, walk the track, shoes run over, slobbing and all that kind of stuff. And I realized these are folks that needed help probably from a very young age, you know, and 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 they were like pushed through, pushed through the system. So, so Ramtia, to, to, to answer your question, I raised that issue every time in, 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 under the, the, the rubric now of mental health of mental health. And there is now more of a movement, thank God, in the state of Michigan and, and maybe nationally to recognize mental health as an issue and that giving people treatment instead of putting them in jail. But but I'm going to tell you what, I'm going to tell you what, that sounds good. But the reality of it is, by the time I get the case, I'm dealing with somebody that's like an, an habitual offender. Uh, they may not have gotten the treatment they needed. An habitual offender is a person that has been through the system before. OK, sometimes two, three, four time habitual offender. And when it gets to that level, the courts really turn a very deaf ear to, well, there's adult ADHD or or there's a history of this. It was untreated. It's like, look, this person has had two chances, Mr. Mack, violated parole, come back again. I don't want to hear about no ADHD. I, I, I don't want to hear about mental illness because we're not going to keep going down that road. And you know what? Society has got a point, and I'm, I'm not minimizing ADHD at all, but it gets to a point where if a person doesn't get treatment and they keep acting out and being aggressive and dangerous, society's got a right to do something about that. Okay. So, you know, you know, Reverend Tia, to, to answer your question, I bring it up every chance I see it. There's times when I've had people go, for example, to the forensic center uh, to see exactly what is going on with them, you know, so so the judge can get a feel of it. But nine times out of 10, people that I ask to go to the forensic center, they come back, they say, nothing wrong with this person. They are competent to stand trial and they should have to answer for their wrongs. And then we're in the fight of our lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so important. You know what? You're right. And, and what people need to know is, is um, these diagnoses, whether it's ADHD or autism, autism really was not, although they used the word, the, the word was coined in like 1911, but it was, it was really on the kind of combined with schizophrenia. And, you, and people have to understand that when it comes to psychology, it's like an evolving field. So nothing is still the same as it was back then. The first person who, um, his name was Trip, I think Triplet was the last name, who, um, Donald Gray Triplet, who was born in um, early 1900s. And eventually he had moved to, uh, his family had moved to um, around 1930s to Baltimore to have him see, get some help uh, because they had not seen anything like it. And around 1938, he was the first person who was diagnosed with what they call autism. The other thing with autism has been linked to so many things now. Mm -hmm. And I advise parents to really do the research um, because it's a rather new, still rather new diagnosis compared to other diagnoses, you know, as far as paranoia or schizophrenia. when it comes to autism, it 
it still is is rather new and so we're people are still testing there's still evidence-based things that are happening to see what is it linked to what i need people to understand though is that the rate of autism has grown um, and it's not only grown as just because of the fact that it's a new, rather new diagnosis, okay? But it has grown um, because it's more evident when you go into the educational system. You have more children who, whether they have been diagnosed yet or not, exhibit ADHD, they exhibit autism, and so those rates are going up. Now, ADHD is more, has been around longer than um, autism. The rate of diagnosis though, now take a breath, is <laughs> <laughs> alarming. And I gotta tell you guys, don't allow people just to diagnose. You have to know your children really research and before you do anything, ask yourself, am I giving my child an environment that is conducive for growth? And am I doing it physically, mentally, and socially? Mm -hmm. Physically, am I giving the nutrients for the body so that, that, for, so that my child can maximize their growth? Now... There are a ton of books. Um, Jay, I'm going to uh, shoot some books over to you following this so that we can put on the website and, I mean, on the um, social media because people of color need to know that they have done studies and um, there is a difference in the children of melanin children compared to other children in developmental stages. I didn't say it. That's what's written. I will make sure that the books, and I got a couple books in mind that um, I, I don't want to mess up the title or the author. So I'm going to make sure that I give that to you so we can post it. Um, okay. If people want to research, you know, because if you allow your child to just be labeled, so I got a call. I'm not, you know, I, I'm not telling you nothing. I don't know. I got a call from the teacher and the teacher said, um, I think, I think your, your son might need some medication. I think he has ADHD. I said, I think you're not qualified to say that. <laughs> and, and not only did I, right. not, <laughs> I went and wrote a letter and y'all don't want me to write a letter. Once I write a letter, that's it. <laughs> the letter. And faxed it to the to the principal to let her know how unqualified she was to ever recommend anything to me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Went up to the school, and so the teacher said, "We're we're gonna have you come in so so we can meet. Yeah, let's meet on this." And um, she said, "Would you would you meet with the teacher? Oh, I would love to meet with the teacher. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna I I met with the, I met with the teacher all the time." Mm -hmm. So I went up to the school and um, it was my son, Joshua. And he had a book 
he used to love to read. I, it was like 274 pages. The boy was, he was in pre-K. He's like four. He's not even five yet. I brought the book and told him to sit here and read the book while I go talk to your teacher. Mm -hmm. So he sat outside the door in his chair and, and I went in. And so I looked at, and see, that's why parents, you got to be involved. I looked at what, let me see what you're teaching him. I'm all in it. I want to see everything. So I looked at it. I said, okay, well, it's very clear why you think he has ADHD. She said, well, he doesn't stay in his seat. He, he keeps trying to help the other children. Well, of course. Because according to him, they are way behind. That's what he's thinking. But I didn't want to tell her that like that. I told her a different way. Mm -hmm. I said, hold on one second. I said, Joshua, come in here, please, and bring your book. So he comes in. I said, sit down. He sat down. I said, read to your teacher. She was flabbergasted. Her mouth was open. I said, I got one question. Can you teach him or do I need to send his own materials to school? And she said, oh, no, no, Miss Taylor. I, I can teach him. I can. I, I didn't know he could read. Not, not, not read at a five-year-old level. The boy was reading at second grade. By the time he was in fifth grade, he was at a college level. <laughs> Had I allowed them to say he was ADHD, then that would have been a hot mess. Had I allowed them to say he needs medication. Yes, he was acting. Yes, he was trying to figure out why these kids are behind. Yes, he was going around <laughs> the classroom trying to help them so they could pronounce words and letters and the phonetic sounds. But but she wanted to say that he had ADHD. Mm. We cannot allow our children just to be labeled. Now, I'm not saying that not to get them help. I'm saying be totally involved and do your research. Yes. And know that there's hope, you know. Right. Yeah, Reverend Tia, because people label things they don't understand. So they'll say, oh, he's bad, or he's this, or he's that, because they don't understand they're not with him 24 hours a day. They didn't, this lady didn't know. She just know what, you know, he's not listening to her. And so these institutions give these diagnoses and then start criminalizing your kid every time they get put out, every time this and that happens. And so they have a, a record right and they're already labeled so when attorney matt might meet them they have gone through so much of being labeled and all these things have happened in their past that's why they're habitual because no one ever took the time out to say hey let me see what's going on or get them to the help they just label them and push them on through the system that's or right. try to give them medication that's right mm -hmm. that's, that's right, right. That's right. That's, That's right. right. You know, and 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 Jay Love, if I could say this too, you know, part of the problem is, is that I mean, I know we all know, raising kids is hard work. Hard work. And, and I mean, for in a quote unquote traditional family, a man and a woman, husband and wife, it's hard work. It's hard work. And 
uh, for me uh, and my late brother, raised by a single parent, my late mother, it's doubly hard work. And when you bring in the dynamic of race, it's triply hard work. And then bringing the, the, the dynamic of being a male, it's quadruple hard work, okay? Um, not, that, not that black women haven't been horrendously done wrong, but I'm saying in a racist, sexist environment, the black man unquestionably, unquestionably is viewed as a preeminent threat, unquestionably, okay? And so the, 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 the situation is when you couple single parenthood and a large percentage of our homes are single parent, yes, they are, yes, they are. There's so many black men locked up. I mean, what would you expect? I mean, you know, uh, there aren't that many of us to go around. Or what, what would you what would you expect when you know they're they're taken from the home? So that puts a tremendous amount of pressure on mama to do everything, everything. And so when when you bring the variables of sexism and racism into that, it's hard for mom or, or even Medea. You know, uh, Medea may be better able because she's raised kids before. And, and you know what? I got to say this: if some some of the kids that I represented. If I could turn back the hands of time and let them go with Medea and Medea tap that butt, I think, I think, I think we, we would have a lot of this problem. So, and, and you know, you know, Reverend Tia, it is so interesting what, what you said, because I cannot tell you how many times parents have come to me, even though I didn't understand the full dynamic. They said, well, you know, they want them in special treatment and, you know, they want me to give them pills and all that. That's all part of that syndrome you're talking about. But see, you're different. You knew to fight back. But the average person there, well, these are teachers, uh, these are psychologists. And, you know, uh, I don't think the boy that bad, but they saying he cutting up and, and okay, come on, Johnny or, or, or Travis. And, 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 and there we go. So all I say is thank God for women like Reverend Tia and thank God for women like Jay Love and thank God for all the Medeas out there because y'all going to be our saving grace. <laughs> yeah. Yes, because, you know, it, and it still is. I'm glad you mentioned Medea because it is behavioral. It's behavioral. And, and when it comes to behavioral, it means it can be changed Medicine is not the only answer. Mm -hmm. Trust and believe. Reverend Tia. The intervention, oh. the intervention has to be uh, a practiced behavior, a practice, a new practice, a new thought. Mm -hmm. Here was a question, Reverend Tia. It came up earlier when mm -hmm. you were talking about autism from uh, J.F. Clay. And he... Can you see it, Reverend Tia? Yep. Um. <laughs> JF Clay, you trying to you trying to set me up tonight? <laughs> <laughs> yes. The answer is yes. What I'm going to to suggest is that people begin to look at studies of how autism has been linked to medical chemicals. Yes. <laughs> has been linked to many things that we have 
that go into a child. What I'm going to suggest, because I want us to stay on the air, <laughs> I'm going to suggest that people really investigate. Do not be so free and willing to allow your child's body to have anything in it. Mm -hmm. I am an advocate, of course, that I'm an advocate for natural living, for natural life, for organics, for organic living, for putting what's healthy in the body. I am an advocate for that. I do believe that medicine has its place for some emergency situations. I believe we have not maximized the potential of what is in our own earth. And so when it comes to your child, you got to ask yourself, what are you putting in their body? How is it? What What's going in the body? What's going in the gates? You know, and I tell, I would, I told this to my children all the time. Your gates are your eyes, your ears, your mouth, your mind. What, what are you consuming? And so, you know, it is so funny how people will easily put, allow children to eat whatever, not wondering what it is, not looking at what is actually going inside the child. And what's going inside of you? Mm -hmm. What are you eating? What are you consuming? And the reason why I say that is because think about it when it comes to preservatives. What, <laughs> what does a preservative do? All the different <laughs> preservatives. It preserves. When mm -hmm. I think about preserves, what do I think about? Think about preserving the body or embalming it. But are you putting life in your body? Mm -hmm. Life is, is, is what's green, what's healthy, what's life, what's living. And we got to ask ourselves these questions, when, it, especially when it comes to children and with ourselves and looking at, okay, what, what is actually happening? And sometimes we pop a pill, we'll, do, we'll, we'll pop this, pop that, eat this, eat that, drink this, drink that, with no ramifications or no idea of what is actually happening inside our body. Mm -hmm. Yeah, J.F. Clay, you got me started. <laughs> I want to show. Uh, <laughs> I want to show this video from the UK, uh, Rabbitia. Oh yes, yes indeed. And this is from the UK, and they're actually okay, wait, wait, before you show it, before okay. you show it. Okay, I want to say this: autism. There was a study: autism and convictions for violent crimes. A population-based cohort study was done in Sweden. And I want to say that they are having the conversation. They're going beyond the conversation. They're having the conversation about race. They're having the conversation about race and autism and ADHD and imprisonment of people who are underserved. They are having the conversation at all levels. And these are people who are not my color having a conversation on how we can improve. And I need people to understand that our system, our health system is not number one in the world. Oh, 
<laughs> I hope I didn't shock you. Look it up. We are we are towards the bottom. Mm -hmm. You get to be number one when you heal. Mm -hmm. And you got to ask, are we healing? We're back to this question again. Are we healing? How do we heal? So among individuals with autism, male sex and psychiatric conditions were the strongest predictors of violent criminality along with parental criminal and psychiatric history and socioeconomic characteristics. So we have to know that just when a person is incarcerated, when they have autism, they it's associated with being violent, mm -hmm. having a violent crime, you know? So they say you're violent. Mm -hmm. Um, and then they said also in this study that better school performance and intellectual disability appear to be protective. So if the person has a protective educational environment that helps them grow through these behaviors, then that helps. Mm -hmm. But they're having a conversation. We yeah. need to. Right. Okay, go ahead, Jay. Okay, so this is this is from the UK. They're having a conversation. This is from a podcast, and I'm gonna play it for you guys. And you can find this on YouTube. I want to put that disclaim um, <laughs> disclaimer in there because <laughs> YouTube got me on something. So anywho, here we go. All right. For some reason, it's not. I'm going to bring you back, Reverend Tia, while I figure out what's going on right here. Okay. No worries. Yeah. So, you know, um, when we're talking about autism, it's important to know that, you know, like what, what happens, you know, for people who are not clear. Um, and if a person, you know, has autism, they can also have something else. They can have, um, they can also have a, a lower IQ, you know, but that has nothing to do with it. It doesn't go along with it. They can also have, be impulsive, you know. And so um, okay. some autistic people are very quiet and, and just are, are to themselves. And, and a lot of times that goes undiagnosed. And, and then they don't get the help that they require. But then you have some, because of whatever the behavior is, whatever the, the loudest, that's, those are the ones that get labeled right away. And a lot of times those are the ones that come into contact with the law. And um, so, you know, if a person, a lot of times with uh, autism, mm -hmm. they will um, become a parent sometimes to repeat what they've heard. If they heard something on a show, um, um, and, and so again, like I say, make sure we're watching what our children are seeing and hearing, um, because if they repeat, I'm going to kill you, 
you know, if they if they have a and they may they may not have an idea of any way that they want to kill a person, but if they say it, and if they're 20, and let's say their intellectual ability is really at a 10-year-old, but they're 20 chronologically, and then they say, Well, I wanted to kill him, officer. They may not have actually meant that. But for the officer, they can't tell. They can't tell at all. So the person gets arrested. They get arrested. Now, a lot of these behaviors can be circumvented early on, you know, and um, so so that they know they begin to learn stru some structure. If the parent is aware, if the school system is aware, if they have the proper supports. And sad to say, a lot of our schools don't even have those kinds of supports where they can have a support in every classroom. I tell you. Did it not um, work? <laughs> you ready, Reverend T? I'm going to try it again. Okay. All right. Let's see. If not, I'm going to go to one of our other videos. Okay. No worries. All right. which impacts their ability to engage. The last little bit of stats that I want to give you is about people with neurodivergent conditions. Uh, okay, somebody don't want me to play this video today. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why what's going on. That's different. So I'm going to remove it, and I'm going to go to one of our other videos we got for tonight. Mm -hmm. So ADHD in the prison population, I originally was starting to write it out, however, I realized it was going to be a lot of comments, so I decided a video might be better if I can talk fast enough and squeeze it all in. So ADHD in the prison population, in the regular population outside of prison, ADHD is experienced at a rate about 5-9%, to 9 that's both diagnosed and undiagnosed. Within the prison population, that rate jumps to 20-25% to 25 in estimates. In the long-term prison population, that rate increases even more to about 40%. Now there's lots of reasons why this would happen, let's talk about a few. The first key one to note is that children with ADHD are estimated to receive 20,000 more pieces of critical and abusive information from authority figures in their life before the age of 12 compared to their neurotypical peers. When you are constantly labeled as a child as a naughty child, you will grow up to be a naughty adult. It's also important to note that people with ADHD, especially those who are undiagnosed, have a higher rate of substance abuse disorder because they don't have access to the medication and coping skills that would make their life livable. People with ADHD also have a higher rate of poverty, and there's many reasons for this, including having substance use disorder, uh, trauma, and as well as finding uh, the neurotypical world hard to navigate. ADHD people are also highly likely to develop antisocial personality disorder. Now, I can't get into that here because I'll make the video too long, but when you're researching it, just be aware that there are lots of biases within the neurotypical world of why this happens, and so you have to take some of the information with a grain of salt. It's also very important to note the intersectionality of BIPOC persons who often go undiagnosed and instead of getting a neurodevelopmental disorder, meaning I was born with this issue, they get a behavioral developmental a behavioral disorder known as oppositional defiant disorder. That sounds biased enough. 
It could also be estimated that women in prisons have a higher rate of ADHD, which isn't well studied, um, but because women have a higher rate of being undiagnosed. People with ADHD are also far more likely to reject authority and social norms, and all of these mixed together just make you at an increased risk for being in prison. It's also really important to note that people with ADHD have an innate sense of justice or an innate sense of morality. Now, when this sense of morality doesn't follow social norms, you're much more, much more likely to um, engage in risky behavior. When it does follow social norms, you're far more likely to become a police officer. And interesting enough, police officers also have a higher rate of ADHD. And this is where you could come and say that police officers and prisoners have far more in common than they realize. They are two sides of the same coin. Wow. Love it. <laughs> Attorney Matt. <laughs> yeah. See. And, ah. Wow. That's deep. That's deep. And so, but but so true. You know, because the thing of it is, being a criminal defense attorney for all these years, encountering hunt, hunt, can can begin to tell how many police. And mm -hmm. the the problem is when they come into the courtroom. Even though I ask juries, will you do them? Uh, excuse me. Will you judge them like you would any other witness without regard to their profession. And everybody says yes. Liars. Liars. Everybody <laughs> says yes. Because, you know, and see, if if, if I was not afraid that some of my uh, Caucasian-based brothers, some of the Blacks too, they do it too, judges would not throw my Black behind in jail for contempt of court, I would like mm -hmm. to say liar. Liar! So... Yeah. so <laughs> but I, I, I'm not. I'm not ready to do that, Jay Love and Reverend Tia. Right. I need um, this. I, I need this license at least another five years. Right. At least another five right. years. Right. 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 <laughs> we need to. So yes. and so because when I, that's why I'm so glad to be in this discussion. When I hear you talk and Reverend Tia talk, mm -hmm. I've seen mm -hmm. those same adult ADHD with police. With police. Mm -hmm. The way they act on the witness stand and in the streets, as hard as that might be to believe, with police. And right. so it makes me to understand more all that baggage they bring with them into that job. And I have very little faith in the quote unquote psychological quote unquote screening that, right. that they go through. Because Reverend Tia said something several months ago, and she said it again tonight. She said, every damn body on the spectrum. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so when I hear you say that, it just makes me laugh. It's not funny, but it makes me laugh. Now these people are putting telling me something wrong with me. Who analyzing you? You know, you know, right. you, you, you may need the same treatment I do. It's just that you sitting on that side of the desk and I'm sitting on this side. Right. Of the desk. Right. Right. <laughs> but the more we have these conversations, the more we can see ourselves. Right. And we can see others and we can stop judging mm -hmm. and treating people so harshly. Like that's right. That's right. It's, it's yeah. more than what the surface is showing you. And if you don't, if you're not able to let go of that judgy thing and, you know, and look beyond what you just see, beyond the stories on TV, beyond, because it's deeper than that, you know. That's right. That's they right. want you to live in fear. 
And so they tell you that these people is like, you know, they're just crazy as hell. But it's <laughs> <laughs> so we all like carrying guns everywhere and mm-hmm. shooting at each other and stuff. And and it's it's not it's not even that deep. Right. But we don't dig. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, everybody's shooting at the at the drop of the dime, you know, these days. And it's it's really we need to take a breath. And dig deeper because it's beyond yeah. what you see. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, when it comes to uh neurodivergent diagnosis, and the the, t- the top ones are ADHD and autism. The reason why you gotta figure is that people with autism have a a pattern way of doing things. So let's say they've gotten some help with the autism or they've gotten some help. And a lot of people who are on the spectrum don't get help, but they've gotten help because maybe they had a structured home. And so they learned structure. Mm-hmm. They got it down. They want they know how to get somewhere on time, get their homework done, focus, play a sport. Okay. All of that they can do. Yeah, just like fucking <laughs> Yeah, because they've been, they have worked through it. So right. a lot of times you don't know the person who has been diagnosed with autism or the person who has had been diagnosed with ADHD. And probably a lot of us probably grew up with ADHD, but because they didn't diagnose us as much back then, we didn't get diagnosed. But we did have structure. And this is what happens with behavioral intervention. You, we apply structure for the individual so they learn pattern of structure so picture this they learn the pattern of structure they learn structure yes they learn time they learn time management they focus they focus they also learn morals ethical standards mm-hmm. and they learn there there's and for a lot of people who have been diagnosed with autism it's just one way or the other mm-hmm. it's sometimes difficult for them to to see beyond the right and wrong they can't their concept of uh, abstract ideas is not always there they like to see facts okay i'm mentioning this because when you talk about people who like to see facts it's either this way or that way Mm-hmm. Take that person more uh, a, a picture of a, a great picture of maybe a, a police officer because they, they like to see facts. Mm-hmm. They like it just this way or that way. And so picture the person who doesn't become a police officer, but still has that concept. Then they they grow up in a in a family that has structure but also has racism. Mm-hmm. Just because you're racist doesn't mean you don't have structure. You just have right. structured racism. So if you if you grow up like that and then that person gets a gun, that's right. Okay, and they've been taught they've been taught that people of color are horrible to the planet. So then they'll feel justified. Yeah. Whether no matter what side they're on, exactly. whether they are part of 
the 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 population general population or whether they are part of law enforcement regardless mm -hmm. what side they're on they are looking through their lens and if you are wrong and justifiably so they will believe that they have the right to interact and get rid of that behavior right Right. And that's why this is important. Mm -hmm. Yes. And we need to have these officers checked. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> judges too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, the judges too. Yeah. 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 We ready for this judge like that. <laughs> we ready for this Dr. Umar uh, video. I think so. Whew. Yeah. I should go get some drink of water. <laughs> Y'all go get your water. <laughs> We're going to give you a second. <laughs> yeah. get, 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 get ice cold water. Okay. I also want to say that um, the video that I wasn't able to play for some reason, I did put it in the link so uh, in the chats so you guys can go there and check it out. And I will add it to the link for those who are listening. I will add it in the um, comments uh, link for this um, podcast. So I'm going to go to the video of Dr. Umar and what's he saying about um, ADHD. Thing Envy said, Envy your father, mm -hmm. your children live with you. Right. That's the medicine for ADHD. Mm -hmm. I refer to ADHD as ain't no daddy at home disorder. Okay. ADHD. 85% <laughs> of black and Latino boys who are diagnosed with ADHD don't have a male presence in their life. In these home. So here's the thing. Mothers traditionally by socialization provide the nurture and the love. Fathers traditionally by socialization provide the structure and the discipline. Wait till your father gets home. Exactly. Now, <laughs> when do we get ADD? 1980. ADHD 1987. Is that a coincidence that that's the same decade that America start mass incarcerating black and Latino male fathers? Of course not. Mm. They started locking up the fathers for selling crack and then they will give their sons crack but call it Ritalin or Metadate or Concerta so they can sit still long enough to be miseducated. Here's the thing. The same drugs that are sending men to jail for 5, 10, 15 years, that's exactly the same drug they're giving their son. The Drug Enforcement Agency classifies Ritalin as a Schedule II drug. It's in the same category as cocaine and opium. Mm. It's no different than the illegal drugs. So how do you lock up millions of black and Latino males for selling dope and then you give their sons dope so they can get a miseducation? Now, now you meant, you said something earlier that I, I had a question about. You're a psychologist. You're a doctor. Now, you know, when I was a kid and, and there was a kid that was slow, we called him retarded. You mm -hmm. just named. You said the kid was retarded earlier. That's but, a diagnosis, right? But people oh, are, the retarded is the actual diagnosis. Yes, but it, President Obama just retarded, changed but it. I don't even know what. You, what, what do you call somebody? You, you say Down syndrome? No, mental retardation was the label until 2009. Mm -hmm. President Obama changed it to intellectual uh, disability because parents of mentally retarded children felt the label was too stigmatizing. Mm -hmm. And there's a whole history to MR. Before they was called retarded, they was called imbeciles. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Before they was called imbecile, they was called idiots. These were the official words. So when we call people idiots now, just in gesture, that used to be a psychological diagnosis. So it went from idiot to imbecile to mentally retarded. Now it's intellectual uh, deficiency. So I'm problem, a brilliant idiot. Term is intellectual disability now. Intellectual disability. So okay. You can't say retarded at all. No. Dr. Umar. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, um, I believe that there are a lot of women who are the disciplinarians in the family today. When I was younger, the male was usually the picture of discipline. I know in my home. I can hear you, my son. Um, Always been listening. And so I'm I'm glad that Dr. Umar brought that up because it it at least lets us look at take a look at our own our own families, the environment, you know. And then also you saw even though the the autism itself was brought out first in 1911, it was a progressive diagnosis. It did not was not usually associated with African Americans until the 80s. Mm -hmm. It was not a diagnosis that general population people received until the 80s. And so it's important that um that we understand how things evolved. Mm -hmm. And then also follow the money because the money is is the medicine yes i'm super medicine confident. is the money yeah yeah look at this question dr uh t uh reverend look dr reverend here uh, <laughs> <laughs> the world would institutionalization be a form of prison induced adhd or autism just wondering because myself and other ex-prisoners, we are still, we we still are dysfunctional without routines. So Reverend T, before you answer that, I think that's what, what um, Prison Nation is describing is what Shawana Vine is talking about now. And that's the post-traumatic um, prison right. syndrome. Prison disorder. Mm -hmm. Yeah, disorder. Yes. Yeah. And we yeah. don't get some and, on here. Yeah, to talk. Yeah, we got to talk about that again because um, the studies have shown that people who have done time in prison, regardless of how little or how much, has had a drastic. Um, it has really impacted their life to such a point where it is trauma, and it is PTSD. It, it is. It is it's a trauma that they say that when people go in, they come out worse than when they started because they're not they're not getting any help while they're in there. Mm -mm. And yet they are they're being tormented even worse. They're coming mm -hmm. across crime within behind the bars. They're they're being violated behind the bars. They're they it, it's just horrific. Mm -hmm. And so Although it, it may not be, now it doesn't mean that you, you may not have, you may have ADHD or you could be on the spectrum, but the incarceration itself is its own disease. Mm -hmm. It is its own disease. Mm -hmm. And, 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 you know, a lot of people do come out and there's a lot of positives, but getting back to, or getting, having 
that way of life where you actually feel free, feel liberated, and feel like you can do just about anything. That's that takes time, and that comes from that post-traumatic disorder. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's what um, presentation yeah. is saying. Yeah. I've been diagnosed with PSTD and MDD. And that's what Shawana that's what Shawana is talking about. And that's the bill. She has a bill that she's fighting for related to that. Yeah. So this is mental health awareness month. And so I'm definitely gonna get her on here to discuss that. Um because let's do that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that we we need to do that because uh, that silent cry um, um, is 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 very supportive. She's always been out there in, in the community talking about this. Yeah, and like JF Clay says, uh, having a support system. Um, a lot of times yeah. people go in and they don't have a support system when they're behind bars, and then sometimes yeah. they come out and they still don't still don't yeah. have it. You know. Yeah. You know, and uh, it makes it makes a difference. I think that's why coming out, they really need to be in therapy and surrounded and linked to all the different kinds of support necessary in order to heal. And I'm telling you, we got to get back to healing. How do Mm -hmm. we heal from here? Where do we go from here? How do we heal with our families and with our loved ones, with ourselves? Um, It's so important, Jay. Yeah. Attorney Mac. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we have to get back to return to love. That's the whole yeah. key to all of this, you know. That's Loving right. yourself, surround yeah. yourself with people who love you, uh, <laughs> eating healthy, all of that's love. It's getting out in the sun, that's love. Walking, exercising, putting your hands in the dirt, that's love. Mm-hmm. And so we have to get back to all things love. In order to heal. And I know it sounds like, uh, you know, but it's just yeah. that simple. It's just yeah. that simple. Attorney Matt. You muted, Attorney Matt. Yeah. There you go. Okay, y'all get the laughing over with now before I start. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Look, you know, but, you know, in in listening, you know, we're all the composite of our life experiences, right? You know, and my life is an open book. Mm-hmm. When I think about this situation, I think about people that I encountered in my sojourn through the Department of Corrections that had autism, ADHD, struggling with other mental health issues. And I'm telling you, those people were largely victims, victims, okay? But there were a a minority of them that were also predators. Predators in the sense that they had to portray a a meanness, almost an evilness, Mm -hmm. in order to try to mask or defend the mental situation they were dealing with. And I got to tell you, those people, and I'm thinking about four of them right now, The, you know, and I, I'm, I'm not m- mentioning no names. They probably maxed out. So but anyway, so <laughs> those, those men were extremely dangerous, mm-hmm. extremely dangerous. 
not just for, for officers, but, but for inmates too, because it took very little provocation, very little provocation for an immediate and violent outburst. Okay. And, you know, and, and, and when I look at that and I can put the pieces of the puzzle together now, the tremendous mental illness challenges they were dealing with, but there was no way to get treatment. You know, part of it, they didn't want treatment. You know, it was a, a strict survival mode. And by the way, you know, uh, men and women are not all devils or angels. I mean, you know, we, we make decisions for ourselves. And there are some people that are just bad actors, period. Period. All right. And so, you know, I ran into a whole bunch of them in a very uncool environment called a penitentiary. So what I'm saying is, is that if you if you have individuals that may just naturally have the propensity for badness, for aggression and put on that ADHD that has not been diagnosed or treated, you got a cocktail for a very dangerous man or woman. Yes, you do. You know, so, you know, we we cannot keep overlooking that because remember 93% of people in the penitentiary are getting out. Yeah. yeah. Not if they'll get out, the only question is when they'll get out and when right. that man or woman comes out and it's undiagnosed and most likely they're not maxed out because the, the treatment programs ain't work, the medications ain't work. And then they're here, J love and Reverend Tia, you know, and we want to embrace and be, and be loving and receptive. But, you know, I mean, I can't tolerate nobody trying to break into my car. I can't do that, you know? And, uh, you know, so do I become part of the problem? I mean, I, I don't know. <laughs> no, no, attorney no. Matt, you can't become part of the problem. <laughs> we got to be part of the solution. <laughs> right, that's right, that's right. So, Reverend and, and, you know, go ahead. Oh, go, go ahead, ahead Jay. No, go ahead, Reverend Tia. Yeah, I, I was, um, you know, we're all a part of the solution. And I, I just mm -hmm. think that the more we educate ourselves, the more we dive into the conversation, the more we take a stand for what's right. Um, and the other thing is, you know, sad to say is that, especially after coming out of, even though we're still sort of kind of in it, but experiencing the pandemic um, and with me working with children, I realized that although they have the ACEs where children are, are able to, with their parents, identify are their childhood experiences, adverse childhood experiences that have occurred in a child's life that could impact their life. There's so many things that go unnoticed because um, no one measures it. No one's doing anything about it. They mm -hmm. have done the studies where if we can find out early that a child is going through economic challenges, because when the parent goes through economic challenges, the child does too. Yeah. You know, or, or if a child is just hungry, you know, a lot of times I see children in school, they all don't have the same kind of lunches. And yeah, they may be in the lunch program, but they still may be hungry because they haven't eaten earlier that day. We need to be have a more empathetic view and know that everybody's not the same, but yet we're all one and we, mm -hmm. we do need each other. Yeah. And 
and we need each other in, in this life. And I just believe that because we're here, let's see how we can not just get along, but we can thrive together. But it's going to take people being aware, taking a stand, and knowing what's happening. And protect your children. Yeah. Protect them. Don't just yeah. let your child get diagnosed. Yeah. You know, they, they've done the studies. You know, my children were active. They were very active. I had twins. They were active. I couldn't go to all the family functions that were going to be all fancy and everything because my children ran around. <laughs> <laughs> so if, if the invite said no children allowed, whoop, there we go. <laughs> we staying home. Why? Because who's going to take care of twin boys who are two and three years old and on 10? Mm-hmm. I enjoyed every moment of it because Yes, they were active, and they're supposed to be. Yeah, they're boys. They're boys. They're supposed to be. They're supposed to be active. They're supposed to be jumping. They're supposed to be running, you know. And if they're not, that's when I'm sad. Like, what's happening? That's when I knew they were sick. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, yeah. We got to do our due diligence. Yes, we do. Thank you, Reverend Tia. Thank you. Thank you, Attorney Mac. This was an awesome conversation. And, you know, we're going to get Shawana on. I think Allie is going to be on. Uh, actually, Allie has an event coming up. I want to share that with everyone. It's a mental health luncheon and power gathering. So on Saturday, May the 20th from 12 to 2, is at the Redford Township Library. And so... Um, you can go to Allie's page. We'll post this on the Justice for Gerard's page so you can hit that QR code and register for this event. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is uh, hosted by Michigan Liberation Care, not Criminalization Team. So um, we're going to have her on to talk about the event, our Allie. <laughs> and also, um, let's go through our... On the third Saturday, May also on May 20th at mm-hmm. 10 a.m., Survivor Speaks have the wrongful conviction support group that's online through Zoom. Mm-hmm. If you can hit that QR code or you can click the link, I will also post this. I haven't posted it, but I will post this in the Justice for Gerard page too. Mm-hmm. It's um so we those who have experience of wrongful conviction or families that are impacted. This is a great way to come with other people who has had this experience and um, to support each other, to have these conversations. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes, you you know, you don't have anyone to talk to because um, you don't know anyone else is going um, through what you're going through. So join the support group. And then also on Saturday at 1, Please join the Survivor Speaks the same Saturday task force, conviction task force, wrongful conviction task force. Um, that's awesome. And we're t- in that um, group, we're talking about legislation and how um, actually we're talking about a qualified immunity, Attorney Matt. Mm-hmm. And so 
there. We also would like for you to support Clemency for Susan Brown. Let's listen to Susan Brown's story this morning. And I tell you guys, support Susan Brown. Here's the link. Um, and also the QR code. Please support Susan for her clemency. And uh, our Diane Brutaski from the Voice of Detroit. Awesome. This we have to support this online uh, platform because she gives us a whole lot of stuff that we don't even know what's going on. She's been doing having these wrongful conviction conversations that's going on in our state for over 20 years. Uh, you can support this platform by going to www.voiceofdetroit.net. And also, last but not least, the love gathering. The love gathering, Rabbitia. <laughs> We're going to come together on this day to just be. Today, a love celebration of life, Gerard. Um, we're going to celebrate him. We're going to have fun, food, mm -hmm. self care. Um, it's at a beautiful park in Redford called Handy Park. Um, yeah. There's going to be something for everyone, but we're not coming there to, uh, to do a lot of talking. We're coming there to do a mm -hmm. lot of demonstrating and expressions of love. So join yeah. us. Yeah. Save this date. You will hear closer. It gets to this date. We're you'll hear and see more. We're gonna have also before the love gathering. I think the Friday before, we're gonna have Reverend Shahira on uh, with us. So, say the date June the twenty fourth, twenty twenty three. And is that it, you guys, for tonight? Oh my goodness, Jay, this was awesome. And listen. We got to do something on the, the healing aspect of uh, autism and ADHD. There are some remedies that are out there. There's studies on remedies. We Look, the show's not long enough for that, but we'll do it soon. Yeah, we'll do a part two, you guys. Yeah, we'll do and, a part two. Because we didn't even talk about the diet and all that stuff. So we will no. do a part two. And um, we're going to have, I think Ali is going to be on next week. And then we're going to have, I think, close to the end of the month, closer to June, we're going to have Attorney Matt come on and talk about that qualified immunity. So, <laughs> so thank you, it. everyone. Um, this was an awesome conversation. And I hope you guys feel um, inspired by and uh, by what we're talking about today. And, you know, you can always leave us a comment in, uh, or um, on the platforms that we're on. That helps circulates us through the algorithms. So, J, J Love, can I make mm -hmm. can I make this one comment and uh, and leave it here now? Okay, you know your I won't call him your mentor. I'll call him your your protege. Uh, when y'all was blasting them airways every Friday, I've been, uh. following, I've, been, I've, been I've been following the brother on on Facebook. The man say he's finna come out of retirement. It's uh -oh. <laughs> I saw that. Uh oh, let's do it. Let's go, Sam. Let's go. You know, hey, 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 AJ Love, and I see the brother running up them stairs and Joe Lewis <laughs> reading and all that kind of stuff, doing that thing. You know, so like I'm, Rocky. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm starting to move right now. Free Sam Riddle. Free <laughs> Sam Riddle. Free Sam Riddle. Bring him back to the airways. Free Sam Riddle. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> 
I would let him know. I've been right. trying to get him back on here, but he's been so busy. So right, that's that's right, yeah. that's right. You know, uh, and, and Jay Love and, and Reverend Tia, I said without shame or disgrace. I plagiarize the man on a regular basis. He know it. He know it. So for all you haters out there trying to criticize me, oh, Sam Riddle said that. If Sam Riddle and a victim, he ain't worried about it. What the hell you worried about it for? So, so I'm saying this, you know, what the hell, J-Love? What the hell? It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I saw that, uh, I think, yesterday. Yeah. Be, be afraid, very afraid. Be afraid. <laughs> you know that. That's right. <laughs> All right, you guys, right. have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next right. Friday. I'll turn the moment you into too. a little bit. Love you. Okay. Love you. Okay.